0: history of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the word together.
1: People are asking, well, how many got baptized? I don't know, but there was a lot of people. And they, 53, there you go, 53 people got baptized. While well, we counted them, there you go. But it, wasn't, it wasn't just the water, it was the, the Lord showed up. People were realizing what they're doing, making a public statement, identifying with Christ, uh, doing what God has commanded them to do, realizing when they go down into the water, they're, they're uh, relating to his death and burial when they come up out of the water. They're, they're relating to the fact that uh, he rose up from the dead and that we have that resurrection power in our life. So just beautiful, beautiful thing. But we're in the midst of God doing special things here and and other churches, it's not just here, but God is doing a special work. I've been saying this a lot, and it excites me to say it. God has been doing something special with the younger people, and I'm loving what he's doing. And I pray if you're like college age and uh, you're there, you know, career, young career age and all, if you're not a part of what God's doing, I want to encourage you, please get a hold of what God's doing because he's doing a a special work. God bless you, by the way. He's doing (laughs) a special work in our midst. But verse 10, he says, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face. Paul continues to say, I want to be there with you, hands on. And then he says to perfect what's lacking in your faith. And that word, I want to put this up on the screen because it's a very interesting word. That, That word perfect means to equip what's lacking in your faith, to adjust what's lacking in your faith, to mature what's lacking in your faith. It's the same word that's used in Mark 119, mend, when they were mending the nets. And and so they would mend the nets. Why? So the nets could be more effective. And Paul's saying, I want to spend time with you that I can make you more effective in in the ministries that God has for you. And so uh, as I look at this for application, hands-on. The importance of hands-on ministry. It's so important that, you know, Paul's like, I I just want to be there. I want to be able to lay hands on you. I want to pray for you. And whatever the hands-on ministry uh, for all of us, if you're able to be in ministry hands-on, it's so important. We have people here that go out on the streets hands-on. They're out there sharing the gospel. They're, they're praying with people to accept Christ. There's, a, there's this hands-on ministry that's, that, that should take place with all of us and we should be in tune with that and what God would have us to do because, listen, God wants to use you. Do you know that? not just through airwaves. I mean, this is great. I, I, we get letters from people that you know, tell us that uh, there's not a church in their area. There's some people that they can't get out of the house because they're elderly and they're being ministered to, and that's okay, because that's... But, but if you're able to be part of hands-on ministry, I believe the Lord through this text is, is reminding us, hands-on. Even the secular world tells us. Do you know if you encourage someone, you give them a pat on the shoulder like this, and you say, good job, and you rub their shoulder, do you know that that releases good hormones in in the person's system? Do you know that? It releases good hormones. So even in the physical, there's something about it, but so much more spiritually. I had an opportunity to meet with a young man the other day in his 20s. And he goes to uh, Pastor Chad Williams' group there, the college group and all. And so, so I met with them, and I was able to pray with him and you know, pour into him and talk with him. And it was just a, an awesome time that we had together. It was so awesome. But he said something that really kind of struck me in a good way. He said, listen, he said, I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for you and Pastor Chad in my life pouring into me. And then he says, listen, this goes, I don't know how other kids my age can make it without having people like you in their lives. Is that awesome? And immediately this text came alive. And I was like, I get it. That's why Paul was so, so adamant. He's like exceedingly praying all the time, Lord, I need to, I need to be there. And he ends up going there And his third missionary journey but it took him a while to get there but my point is again it's so important for us as mature christians to pour into those that are younger to have that ministry i was able to show up for the men's uh breakfast how many guys just showed up for the men's breakfast okay just a handful of guys there that was great there's a lot of guys that showed up it was excellent but to just to see the, the guys hanging out and guys we need more of that don't we That was a very weak yes or anything like that. (laughs) I don't know if you noticed, but I like when you, you know, say agree or don't agree. Just say no if it's it's a no, it's a no, it's okay. But yeah, so we need more, yes. So, and the interesting thing is, check this out. Guys, we we have a harder time, don't we, with communication. Women have no problem at all. They communicate real well and, and all, but guys are a little bit slower at communicating, and that's what happens. So, it's good, we need that. So, I was excited to, obviously, I was probably the only one here that was excited say about that but there he goes <laughs> Galatians 5.13 for you brethren have been called to can we say that word together please free. liberty freedom only do not use your freedom or liberty, liberty for an opportunity for the flesh in other words don't get caught up in the fleshly ways but through love what do we do serve, serve one another so that liberty that you have it's not for you to indulge in the flesh it's to serve each other hands on First Peter 4.10, it says, as each one of you have received a, can we say that together? Yes. Gift. Do you know you have a gift? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All of us should say yes. yes. If, okay, if you do not know that you have a gift and God has given you a gift, uh, when the pastors and prayer elders are down front, I want you to make your way down front and I want you to say, will you please pray for me that I know the gifts that God has given me? Because every one of us should say, I know I have a gift. But then the question is, are you ministering with that gift? I didn't hear anybody say anything with that one, but I'm going to leave that one alone. No, I'm going to leave that with you. Okay, minister to... So you have a gift. So each one of you has received a gift. Notice, each one has received a gift. Every one of us have a gift. What are we to do? Minister it to who? One another. As good stewards. In other words, God has given you a stewardship of that gift that he's given you. One day you'll be called... When you get to heaven, he's going to say, what did you do with that gift that I gave you? And believe me, if you go to heaven, you say, well, you know, I didn't really have time. (laughs) Use the gifts that God's given you. So as a good steward of the manifold grace, that's a multicolored grace of God. Another last one we're going to look at for this. It says Hebrews 10, excuse me, 6.10. You know this very well. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. Sounds like a good name for a ministry. (laughs) which he which you have shown towards his name and that you have what? Ministered to the saints and do minister. So God doesn't forget. God knows that you're being used. Continue to be used by him. I believe the the is Paul saying, I I want to be hands-on. I want to pour into to you guys. It's a good reminder for us to be hands-on and God wants to use you. Let's look back in our text verse 11. Paul goes on. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ, check this out, direct our way to you. He won't give it up. He's like, I, I want God to direct our way to you. I want to be there for you. And then he says, excuse me, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in, can we say that word together? Love. Love to one another and to all just as we do to you. Notice, notice, It's the Lord that makes us increase in love. You cannot manufacture the love of God apart from God. And He, listen, the mark of a true Christian is love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. But the love that he has for us, listen, it's by abiding in him, spending time with him. And and Paul is telling these young believers, these new believers, he's saying, just abide in him. God has love. May may love increase in your life. And I pray that for all of us, that love would increase in our lives. Again, you can't manufacture it. I've tried before. You know, I'm going to start loving people. God, that's it. I'm loving. I can't do it. Because without him, I can do no good thing. But when you abide in him, he has love for the people that are in your midst. He wants to love those people. He wants to minister to those people. A while back, my wife and I, when we were driving back into our subdivision where our home's at there's these three young girls that are like five to seven years old and they're so cute. We were going slow and they jumped out in front of our car and they were like going like this, stopping our car, you know, and it was so cute. So they came up to the window. We rolled the window down and they said, we have a lemonade stand. (laughs) And it was like, I mean, I'm like in my pocket. How much money? Just take whatever I've got. You know, it's like, they're so cute. But they're like, we have a lemonade stand. And they said, and and we're the lemonade stand and all the money is going to go for children with cancer. And I was like, oh, but listen to this. One of the little girls, I mean, she was only like five years old. She was so tiny. She pulls money out of her pocket. She goes, and if you don't have any money, that's okay. I'll buy you some lemonade. <laughs> Is that just beautiful? And you know what I thought? I need to be more like that to put others first. Guys, we can't do that without the work of the Holy Spirit, without abiding in him. God has love for every one of us, and he wants to use us as instruments that others would see his love. Matter of fact, the Bible says they will know, the world will know that we're his disciples when we have love for one another. So John 15, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you as the branch, where the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you, can we say that out loud, please? Abide in me. As we abide in him. That just means hang out with him. And I get this picture when we're hanging out with him, we're close to him, he's here with us and there's going to be so many distractions in this world. The distraction is to to get your mind and your focus off of Jesus. The temptations of this world, every one of us are going to be tempted. Every day you're going to be tempted. The temptation, the biggest temptation is to take you away from abiding in your Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to encourage you, just keep abiding in him. Before we go on to the next verse, we know that Paul, when he he prayed this, that they would grow in love, increase in love. Well, God answered his prayer. How do we know that? Because the second letter he wrote, he said this. He says, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as, as it's fitting because your faith grows exceedingly. So their faith grew. And the love of every one of you all abounded towards each other. So Paul prayed for them. In his next letter, he says, wow, you guys are growing in love. So God heard his prayer. And my exhortation to you, if you lack love, and I believe every one of us in this room, those that are watching online, we all lack that kind of love. But if we pray, God will increase in that love as we abide in him. Amen? Amen. The last verse we're going to look at. So that he, Jesus, the Lord, may establish your heart blameless In holiness before God the Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. I believe what Paul's saying, I want to put the definition of these words up here because he's saying that he would establish your hearts. Establish means to make firm. Make firm their hearts for what? They would would realize that they're blameless. That means without fault and innocent, without guilt. And that they're holy. That means pure, sanctified, and consecrated, set apart. So I believe what he's saying, and and I want to... He's saying that you guys as new believers would realize the cross and how you're forgiven. And because of the cross, you're without fault. You're innocent. You're pure. You're sanctified. You're set apart. And he says, I want you to have that firm in your life, until you meet the Lord at his coming. It is so powerful for all of us as believers when we realize when you go to the cross, not only, is, not only are we forgiven, but it's forgotten. We're blameless. I don't know what that does to your mind, but you know what it does to my mind. It goes, yes! <laughs> the blood of Jesus Christ, his blood was shed upon the cross to wash away every sin that we've ever committed. Paul the Apostle, he said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things behind, I press forward to those things in their head. Uh, what do you mean, this one thing I do? Paul had a lot to do, but he said, I'm going to forget those things behind. Why? Because if he would have focused on what his past life was like, he could never minister. Think of the guilt that Paul the Apostle would have had. Paul the Apostle, before he became an apostle, remember, he, he was Saul of Tarsus, remember? Remember he was there when they were stoning Stephen? He was holding their coats while they were, he watched this innocent man get, get uh, stoned to death. He, he was arresting Christians because he thought that they were wrong. And so think of the heaviness that would have had. So Paul the apostle said, uh, this one thing I do, I'm forgetting that, I press forward. And Paul the apostle, writing to the, these new believers, is encouraging them. I pray that you realize that you're innocent, you're without fault, until the day you meet Christ Jesus. And I pray that for all of us that we realize when you go to the cross it 's forgiven it 's forgotten that we could go forward because we are declared innocent, justified don 't you love that word justified just as if it never happened, and you might say, pastor well you don 't know the things that i 've done well, have you gone to the cross yeah you 're justified, just as if it never happened that doesn 't mean there 's not consequences for sin there will be consequences, but before the throne of god you 're declared Innocent. Forgiven. No guilt. No condemnation. Condemnation is so ugly. You know you can become paralyzed if you're under condemnation. And that's what the enemy wants from some people, the just to be paralyzed. Oh, oh it's so bad. That's terrible. I can't believe I did that. That's just so, so terrible. And then and then they're under this guilt and shame, but you don't have to. When you go to the cross, there's no guilt, there's no shame. There's no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We are declared innocent. The other day, I went on a, a scooter ride. I've been riding my scooter, which I love, and I went out, down to Newport. And there's a place I like to go to in Newport, so I went there, spending time with the Lord and you know praying and seeking the Lord and. And as I was there by myself praying, this young kid in his 20s came up and he was on his bicycle and uh, he's cussing like a sailor and he's talking to me and he's cussing back and forth and he's saying, and he was so upset because he said the police, the Newport uh, Police Department pulled him over because he he didn't stop at at a stop um, sign or whatever. And so he's complaining about the police. He's complaining about all this stuff. And I'm thinking, Lord, how do I minister to this kid? And I'm praying, you know, and he, so he walked away. He went to the water and i just kept praying. I was like, Lord, give me an open door. I want to share with this kid. I, I know this is a divine appointment, but give me an open door. So I'm, I'm waiting. And then he comes back he comes right up to me again. He starts talking to me again. I was like, this is great. All right. And so then I just started sharing with them. I started sharing, you know, Christ with them. And we're all sinners and all. And then I find out that he's a Jehovah's Witness and that his, his, his family's Jehovah's Witnesses. So then I started kind of talking, of, you know, telling him why Jehovah's Witnesses aren't real Christians. That didn't work out too good, by the way. So... <laughs> It's so funny, all the stuff he learned as a young kid, he's just like, you know, trying to debate me now. I'm like, well, this isn't working very good. Okay, let's stop the debate. So we're going back and forth, and I'm kind of, I'm thinking this isn't good. So I just kept going back to the cross. Sin separates us from God. Jesus died on the cross take away our sin the penalty and just all of a sudden as i kept going back to the cross and talking about jesus's death and resurrection you know his head went down he's like yeah i know and so i said well you want to pray and you know just accept jesus as your savior and he goes yeah yeah that would be good and he reached out his hand and i started praying for him listen to this so i'm praying for him everything's going good and then i said you know i'm leading him in this prayer as I'm leading him in this prayer, I said, you know, and, and pray, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for my sins. And he goes, I can't pray that. And I go, can't pray that Do you believe Christ Jesus died on the cross for your sins? He goes, yeah, I, I can. not He goes, uh, if I don't see it, smell it, and feel it, uh, I can't believe it. And I says, well, the wind, you can't see the wind. You believe the wind? And he's like, but he kept, he's like, I can't. He goes, and then the other thing is, uh, I don't have goosebumps. I go, What? <laughs> I thought he was joking. I go, you don't have goosebumps? He goes, yeah, I should have goosebumps. If, if this is God, I'll have goosebumps. And I was like, those are feelings. Feelings are fickle. And, and there just this battle that was going on. I'm like, do you realize there's a spiritual battle going on right now for you? And he's like, oh, no, yeah, there is. And I can't believe any of this. And I go, so his name's Daniel. Keep him in your prayers. But I believe all those seeds that were planted, all the lies that he was under, God was ministering to him. He humbled himself. He was right there. But then I believe that whatever it was pulled him out. But if he would have said the prayer sincerely, if he would have accepted Christ as his savior, if he would have given his sin to Christ at the cross, he would have been declared innocent right then and there. We all have a choice to make. Have you gone to the cross? Do you know that you're forgiven? Paul the apostle would exhort you even today, realize that, have it firmly established in your heart that you're forgiven. When you go to the cross, you are forgiven, you are set free, declared innocent before God. That's what Jesus died for, amen? I want to point something else out with this because... It says, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all the saints. Most people believe this is the second coming of Jesus Christ. I would read this. It looks like, okay, that you'll be blameless until the second coming of Jesus Christ. But it really doesn't make too much sense. If we, Wait, blameless until the second coming? Well, the rapture is first. So it didn't make too much sense to me. So I love what Dr. Vernon McGee, he points out that that word coming just means presence. And it just means that in his presence. So, so it's, it's saying that you would realize that you're blameless until you're in his presence. And then with all the saints, so that could actually mean more, probably uh, it's, it's better interpreted, I believe, the rapture of the church. So when we're in his presence, when, when he comes and takes us to, away to be with him, with all of his saints, that you'll, until that day you'll realize you're forgiven and have that firmly established. So I believe that's a better interpretation of that. I love what Jesus said in John 14, 3. Jesus said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, talking about heaven, I will come again and receive you too. Can we say that out loud? Myself. That where I am, there you may be also. I believe that's the rapture of the church. Paul the Apostle writing in Titus two thirteen says, looking for that blessed hope and glorious, can we say that out loud? Appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The rapture of the church. So, the exhortation, the encouragement for all of us, realize you and I, if you've gone to the cross, if we've gone to the cross, we're forgiven. And may that be established firm in our heart until the day that we're in his presence, hopefully the rapture. Do you believe that we're seeing indications that the rapture could be soon? Do you believe that? We could very well be the generation that are taken up in the rapture. There's a lot of indication going on. I believe foreshadowing of the tribulation time my question are we ready? Are we excited? I really am the, the trumpet sounds right now wouldn 't this be awesome if I, I, would, I think of this sometimes I would love if, if when i 'm preaching i 'm saying jesus and the truth he 's right there in front of us oh jesus hey i 'm just talking about you <laughs> The trumpet sounding. Are we seeing indications of him coming to take us to be with him? I believe so. Um, Are we seeing a foreshadow of things to come for the tribulation period? I believe so. Did you guys see this? Alleged Israeli strikes in Syria... So they're striking in Syria again, and destroyed a warehouse with over 1,000 Ira- Iranian-made missiles, they reported. Well, why is that important? Well, because uh, we're going to see tension in the Middle East, if, as we've been seeing, and Iran is going to be one that's going to join this coalition of, of armies with Russia. They're going to come down and attack Israel. So we're seeing a foreshadow of that. You might say, well, isn't Russia the main player? Well, yeah. Well, Russia's involved also. Russia vocalizes more condemnation over Israeli strikes in, can we say that out loud? Syria. So the foreign minister there in Russia, he's condemning them. And so why is that important? Well, uh, I believe that the Ezekiel battle that's going to happen, I believe that we'll probably be raptured just before that or simultaneously. So we see that in the news. Also, do you guys see this? This is Yahoo. Bill Gates likely saw food shortages coming years ago. That's why he's accumulating all this land. So he's such a nice guy. So food shortage, are we told that's going to happen? Yeah. When the black horse comes, Revelation 6, uh, there will be a food shortage, as we're told. So we see a foreshadow of that taking place. And then this Great Reset. How many guys have been hearing about the Great Reset? I believe that this, the full Great Reset will probably take place during the tribulation period, but we're seeing a foreshadow of things to come. I always like to give good news when we're talking about all these things. This is awesome. California Church, they don't have to provide abortion coverage and health plan. So they, the, the church won this case, and so that's great news for the church. Another great thing that just happened, too, um, uh, so our Orange County Board of Education, so now we have, we have uh, five, an overwhelming strong majority, so that means for Orange County, there's no CRT, so that's awesome, that's great news. <laughs> so, his coming. The Lord Jesus Christ could come at any time. I'm excited to know that we who are alive and remain, we could be caught up with the Lord at any time, be encouraged, but as a believer, just a reminder for us, hands-on ministry. I believe that there's one takeaway, there's always good to have one takeaway. If there's one takeaway from this message, hands-on ministry. God wants us to occupy until he comes. God wants to use you. If he's not using you, pray, Lord, use me. God wants to use you. Don't get caught up. Please don't get caught up with this world. This world is passing away. Jesus Christ will come back, He'll set up his kingdom. Righteousness will reign. And you and I as believers, it says it will rule and reign with him here on this earth. I pray, I trust, I hope that you're ready. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Joe. And I'd like to take a moment to personally invite you to one of our three services here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor in Huntington Beach. Our service times are 9 a.m., 1045 a.m., and 1230 p.m. Please come and say hi after the service. I would love to meet you. For more information, check out our website at ccoth.com. That's ccoth.com. God bless
0: you. You've been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettig an Outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. Our new location is at 4121 Warner Avenue in Huntington Beach at the beautiful Huntington Harbor Marina. Now, may we continue to go to his throne of mercy as he changes us from glory to glory.